Hello out there, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a lawyer by training, and I help small businesses and have for the past 30 years help them properly set up their businesses, help them with putting together contracts, help them manage risk in a variety of ways, everything from insurance to tax to your board of advisors and board of directors, and also have helped with business consulting over the years with things like finding and managing good partners and even international expansion. I'm also a serial entrepreneur, and I can't honestly say that all of those have been wildly successful. I've um, made a lot of mistakes quite candidly along the way. And so part of what I want to do with the show is to help some of you out there maybe not make some of those mistakes. If I can help those of you not fall into some of the same potholes, then the show is a success from my perspective. The second goal of the show is also to inspire. I found at least that being an entrepreneur is confusing, often lonely, downright discouraging. Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not or where to turn for good advice. So every week I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And my guest this week is Nathan Weens. He is the founder and president of NWC Media, as well as another company called UAV Chicago. He has over 20 years of video and marketing experience, and he's going to share with us today some tips about video marketing. The statistics are truly astounding. No matter which ones you're looking at, I just have a quick Google search before the show today said 86% of businesses use video marketing. That seems high, but the numbers seem pretty consistent somewhere about there. And the number of video uploads has increased by 263% over the past three years. So video marketing is hot, folks. I think we all kind of know that and have seen it. So Nathan is here this week to talk with us in more depth about video marketing and some tips for doing a great job with it. So Nathan, with that introduction, thanks so much for being on The Savvy Entrepreneur this week. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to to speaking with you. Well, I am looking forward to it as well. So first, talk about your businesses and what your two companies do. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I, I operate NWC Media as well as UAV Chicago, and really they are sister companies. They work in conjunction with one another. Uh, NWC Media is really just a full-service digital marketing company, everything from websites and SEO through PPC, and then obviously um, into, as we discuss, we're discussing today, video marketing. And then UAV Chicago is really leads with commercial drone services and also leans into that video full suite video production service. They go hand in hand. Uh, we cover everything from, as I mentioned, those digital outlets as well as recently really um, started getting into digital television advertising. So wow. streaming platforms, you know, most people are streaming television now. So um, <laughs> great time. And, to, and to... streaming radio, by the way, because Absolutely. Our station, I've learned, is no different than a lot of stations. We have more listeners 
tuning in via live streaming than we do terrestrially. Wow, that's excellent. The things they are <laughs> a changing, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, that they are. And I do want to do a little quick plug for my own little show. Folks who are interested in drones should take a listen to my interview with Professor Mukila Mesa from a few months back talking about all the opportunities with drones. And he certainly dives into some of the ways that drones are used for photography. So those of you that this strikes an interest with, you should go back and find his show and listen into it. So who are your target clients, Nathan? And what do you do for them? Yeah, most of my clients are really in B2B markets. I, I dabble a little bit in, in uh, business to consumer, but most of it really is in that B2B space. Um, I have clients in commercial finance, uh, industrial and manufacturing, IT and management services, legal, nonprofit, and construction. Do you find mm-hmm. most of your clients are small or large or really across the gamut? You know, it, it is across the gamut. I, um, you know, it's funny, I, I, really have only targeted a few industries and really gone after a few companies, but somehow uh, start getting phone calls from companies of all different sizes. So, you know, I think the bigger part, and we can dive into this a little bit more in this discussion, but really it's it's the the company, the, uh, the ethos, their mission and everything that really drives me to want my company to engage them and really work with them rather than necessarily looking at a business size or market segment specifically. You know, as a consultant, really a legal consultant, but also a business consultant, I totally relate to what you're saying. There was a, I think a little photo I happened to see on LinkedIn this morning and it's it's so related to me it was um the the hundred dollar client and it was this ogre of a thing and this lovely German shepherd or golden retriever for the uh the ten thousand dollar client and I don't know if it's so much about how much they spend at least it wasn't for me but there is such a difference between the clients that are rewarding and fun to work with and some that frankly are just really difficult, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Talk about your background. You've got more than 20 years in marketing. How did you get into marketing and specifically into video marketing? Yeah. So let's take a little uh, um, road trip in the the DeLorean back in time. Um, (laughs) So uh, actually, you know, I really got got my start kind of in the, the mid to late 90s, working a little more in the, the, the e-commerce space, the early days of e-commerce. eBay was, you know, a fledgling company. It was the most prominent name in e-commerce at that time. I was working with a, uh, a hobby store that was, you know, kind of a, a monolith for a mom and pop shop out on the West Coast where I was I was living. And they had a vision for being able to sell, you know, all these variety of, of hobby items, everything from everything from radio control to um, arts and crafts, you know, via the internet, and then mail, you know, ship it out and ship it, ship it globally. We had over yeah. three hundred over three hundred thousand SKUs. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you just all you have to do is take a gander at Joanne's or 
Michael's or Hobby Lobby, which is a chain here in the Midwest. And the number of items is truly, wow. I mean, the whole management of supply chain for those companies, not to mention the e-commerce aspect of it must be pretty daunting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, these are the days before companies like PayPal really picked up steam and and really became, um, you know, something. So we were having to do credit card swipes and everything or or, um, mail order uh, transaction uh, processing. Um, But the orders would come in via uh, an email. Right. So we put it yeah. in, you know, and so it was there, there was certainly some security risk at that point. Um, oh, yeah. But it really piqued my interest the technology involved in getting all of these SKUs online, trying to get start to get all these photographs of the, the big selling items. And we we're ship, shipping globally. It was really a, a, a a pioneering experience, a very challenging experience to to um, to kind of be be on the forefront of of that e-commerce movement, especially in that uh, you know independent, privately held company space. Yeah. Nothing, you know, big. You know, we weren't a chain by any stretch. You know, they were just happened to be one of the one of the big independents. And so, how uh, how did that lead to video? That's a great question. So, um, so with that, you know, started doing a lot more, more imaging, a lot of uh, um, photographs. It was really starting with photographs because video hadn't really advanced in the digital sphere so much at that point. And uh, it wasn't until after that, it was really my start into marketing and into digital marketing in, in a way. And as I moved from there into, uh, into the actual dot-com bubble, um, and then ultimate bust working for a few, <laughs> a few dot coms, you know, where VC money's flying, you know, this way and that, and you had limitless budget. We could do some really cool things. Started working um, in video and and three uh, D modeling and all that in, in those early days um, with the marketing teams I got to work with, and it just really fascinated me as a kind of at that point a, a junior marketer. Um, that that whole that both marrying the creative with the the technology yeah yeah and so when, when the uh, when the dot coms I worked for two different dot coms and uh, the first one was a bust uh, went belly up some <laughs> bad decisions at the you know in, on on the board. lots of them and, do uh, you yeah, know happened, happened so fast just an overnight thing the doors are locked and then uh, went to another one that ended up getting acquired by. Uh, it escapes me what company it was a bigger a, it was a company time. anyway yeah yeah we got acquired and um so after that point you know working in those those high-paced high-budget marketing environments i actually moved into uh working with different uh non-profits and and had this vision for creating a a video and um web technology company um out on the west coast and you know just a small agency servicing local businesses and I started uh, creating content. I, you know, I invested heavily on the video side. And here, the, the, the fascinating part was I spent probably 80% of my initial investment on video gear. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and 95% of our revenue in the first two years came from web applications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so, um, wow. Yeah, I was trying to push. You were you were ahead of your time, Nathan. I really was. Nobody wanted to invest in it at that point. Um, so 
you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with a bunch of uh, um, local businesses as well as some larger companies. I, I did um, a fair bit of work for Sun Microsystems um, and, a, you know, a few other uh, larger companies that have now uh, been absorbed uh, by the likes of IBM and, and what have you and Hitachi, I believe. Um, so after that point, I, you know, continued servicing some of those, uh, more the nonprofit space. It's, you know, it's just really fascinating having a story to tell. And I think the biggest part for me is having a story to tell. Um, it's gotta be fascinating. It gotta be interesting for me to be interested in order to, um, create something that will inspire others. I think that's the biggest part of it is I want, I want, you know, it could be, um, selling whatever widgets or, you know, hair clips, but if there's a story attached to it, if we can make it an interesting story, um, then that video is going to go far. That video is going to help sell. It's interesting that you really were ahead of the curve. So you've really ridden the video wave as it started. Talk about your observations of how video marketing has evolved and who's been really driving it. Has it been big Fortune 500 companies? Has it been creative little startups? So what I've noticed is there are two camps. Um, the ones that are driving the innovation are the, the startups, um, whether or not they have VC capital or if it's bootstrapped by the founders those are the ones that have to think outside the box. They have to, you know, catch your attention. So some of the ones that really caught my eye, you know, one of them is, is Solo Stove, the, the fire pit company that came out a handful of years ago. Those guys have done some really creative things with video through the years since their inception, since they started marketing. Then on the flip side of it, you also have those big advertisers, those big brands, you know, Nike that has a you know, they, everything's a big production Reebok, you know, they have, they have big money to spend. They're doing the Super Bowl commercials. Um, and, you know, if you look on, you can go on YouTube and find some of their long form commercials where it's really that brand building um, piece. It's not product sales. And um, you'll see videos that, you know, their, their commercial may last five, eight minutes long. Um, yeah. But it's it's essentially it's a short story and it's yeah. really, really captivating and and really fascinating and, and fun to fun to watch. It's been a little daunting, though. Some of those are, I think, and I'm speaking as a small business person myself and the clients I work with. It's daunting when you see those because most of us don't have. Pixar studio type equipment and production people at our fingertips. You know, a lot of small businesses, it seems to me, kind of fall into the camp of one of two camps. I've seen some that on a budget manage to be very creative and things are tastefully done. But the thing that makes me pause, and I'm sure lots of us small business people out there, is there's some really, really bad video that's been done. Mm -hmm kind of extended selfies and even podcasts and YouTubers, maybe it's just me, but I cringe at some of the production quality that's out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're not wrong in that. Um, here's what's fascinating is like social media is driving that right there, that influencer culture. And um, that's not a world that I live in in particular or one that I create content for. 
I would identify those as being independent brands that other companies will engage. As far as the production quality, one of the key elements, we, we can talk about kind of the do's and don'ts down the road on the, on this, but, uh, you know, some of them really focus so much on doing something cool. If they want to, to make their video cool, they'll rely on different effects or something to, to make it stand out. The problem is what stands out is the effect. It doesn't enhance the story. And that's, I think that's the biggest miss in those bad videos is that they are lacking the story. They are lacking the purpose of that piece of content. Whether it's just rambling on and on about um, whatever and never actually getting to a point or pulling out the camera before they really even have an idea, you know, kind of a plan of where they want to take it. Well, you said something interesting that I want to pursue and I think is is important. Video is used for different purposes. So mm -hmm. people who just pull up in front of their microphone and start rambling and do their weekly or daily YouTube thing or podcasting ad hoc is probably a different approach and a different use of video marketing than telling the story. And then, you know, it seems to me there's, there's still other kinds of video, which are maybe explainer videos. And that those aren't really meant to tell the world's most resounding story about something. They're, they're very practical. And for all I know, there's more kinds of video. I mean, maybe, you know, drone footage just to set a mm -hmm. mood or something. I don't know. Talk about the different ways people use video marketing and some things to think about maybe as you decide what kind of video marketing you might need or want. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, I th for me, it's it's really like identifying your audience. Who's who's your audience and how do you want to engage that audience? What What is... What is the, the reputation you're looking to build? So when you talk about those types of video that talking head or that you know influencer or wannabe influencer, I see that as effective on a social media front, more consumer facing brands. Um, it's not going to be as effective, obviously, for like a corporate lawyer, right? Um, right. I'm not sure it conveys the right image, but exactly. Uh, well, it's not. Well, even, and and also, image. I don't know that you want your lawyer just sort of ad hoc spewing out different things. I mean, <laughs> you pay a lawyer because they're thoughtful and you know weigh the weigh things back and forth, as opposed to just shooting from the hip all the time. But absolutely, absolutely. But it's also you know considering the audience <laughs> when you're dealing with a business that is more of a um, you know, in my case, B2B, if they're selling to other businesses, we're not expecting to catch, um, you know, kind of the, the side hook, you know, the the drive-by customer. We're looking to engage and inform, educate, and um, establish ourselves as thought leaders, not, you know, here's a shiny toy, come buy it, right? Right. Um, so when I see the ones that are, that are more that influencer, that talking headpiece, it's going to be someone that is more, um, you know, someone someone that has a consumer audience, someone that, you know, maybe the 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 cap for the um, the ask the, that sell is anywhere from seventy five dollars on up to five hundred dollars at the very top end. Most yeah. of the time, those are going to be those twenty, thirty, forty, even fifty dollar purchases where somebody's going to have that kind of informal 
informal discourse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that fits, you know, one of my guests from a, a couple of weeks ago has a very cool set of water bottle charms and mm-hmm. she does impromptu video posted on TikTok and does great with it because it's a small ticket item. It's a, an impulse buy for a lot of folks and it works really well. On the other hand, if you're trying to sell a $500 workshop or online course, maybe not quite so effective. It's going to be a little more polished. Yeah. You know, the other thing that's kind of interesting, though, is it's a dilemma for people who do podcasting. And and I'm one of them. And that is that your audience is quite diverse. And in some cases, I mean, you're looking to build your audience, which is a, I guess, a B to C approach, but a lot of podcasters, the really the only way they make money is through sponsorship and referrals. And now you're talking B to B. So what's a podcaster to do there? (laughs) That's a great question. So when you when you talk about those kind of relationships between a, um, a a sponsor and a content creator, you you're not marketing to that sponsor. So just remember that is who's who's the end consumer of your content. Yeah. So that sponsor is going to look at you and go, okay, you know, this is who they're talking to. They're not speaking to me. They're they're speaking to my customer, right? So right. you're sharing the same customer. Good point. Um, yeah. So that's the way you're going to engage. So if, if it is that consumer, if it is that buyer at 20, let's say $25 price point for a widget, the sponsor is going to expect you to be the one that is effective at communicating in, you know, if they're going to look at you and say, are you a good representative of my brand? Not that you are selling yourself to that brand. Right. Very good point. Do you think video marketing is necessary for all businesses? You know, I do. I, I think it's it's effective. There, there are very few businesses that can't benefit from video marketing in one fashion or another. Um, so the ones that are a little bit more um, veiled in their use, I guess I would say, is uh, um, ones that use it as a a training tool, kind of a product explainer. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily an explainer video, but um, you know I've worked with companies. Uh, one one industry I really haven't addressed is uh, I, I started recently working with um, you know some some medical companies. So they're selling to medical professionals. So they're yep. not selling to the end user of their products, right? Right. Um, they're not going to be engaging an influencer. They're not going to be creating splashy marketing. What they're going to say is, you know, they're, what they're going to generate with that video content is informational, like effective informational videos um, and just details. So it's going to be, it's, it, it may be a little bit drier, but we can, we can spice it up a little bit, right? What? Creatively. Yeah, well, there's that. But, you know, it's interesting having come from and worked in a lot of different aspects of the healthcare industry. That industry uses video stories a lot just to create a good feeling, maybe credibility about company. I mean, I'm just thinking of a lot of these companies you see 
feel-good stories, donating products to a disaster or helping a little kid with a problem. And I don't think those are geared towards healthcare professionals as much, more just towards the general brand awareness and helping build a positive brand it's, for that. It's PR. That yeah. company so, or so that, that was, industry. That was the next thing I want to say is that there is that PR aspect of it. And this is where I see things like the defense industry, for example. I've done a little bit of work with manufacturer uh, manufacturers who sell to you know DOD and to some of their top tier contractors. And in that space, they their videos, they still will produce content um, that is more of that PR nature. So it's a very polished piece that really, um, you know, (laughs) showcases all of the good aspects and, you know, really kind of like redirects, I would say, redirects people from you don't see people being blown to smithereens or, right. you know, hospitals right. being blown up or things like that. But look at the leadership skills that we uh, we instill in our people. Right? Yeah. Well, it's um, it's about a little bit about uh, spinning in the angle, right? It is in that. Nathan, talk about, from your perspective, how companies should go about building their video marketing strategy. I mean, what, in your experience, makes companies really effective in the use of their video marketing and others not so much? Yeah, I, th- I think what I've experienced in in uh, my time in the industry is companies that are effective in identifying who their audience is. And it really goes back to marketing as a whole. Do you know who your, who your customer is? Do you know who your audience is? And are you intentionally engaging at their uh, pain points? for example, selling cycles. So with that, you know, some of the things I've seen with ineffective video strategies would be um, getting rolling. You you have a new product, you have the equipment, and you just start going without actually having a roadmap for what the video is going to be, a storyboard, if you will, for what that video is going to be about. And that will be true with anything from social media videos all the way to obviously something that is polished and um, released as maybe a a television commercial or um, YouTube ad, ensuring that customers crystal clear on who you are, what you're selling, and what that solution brings to the table for them. Why would they want to buy it? If you're talking around your product or service and you're just keep hammering home, you you essentially become a late night TV infomercial with no conclusion where they they never put the cell in. And I've seen that so many times where it just, it's just constant noise (laughs) through the video and not, not any um, substance, not any call to action for that customer. Yeah. What about do's and don'ts for your video strategy? Yeah. So I would say kind of going back to what we were talking about before the break, uh, for me, it's, there's a lot in the story. So it doesn't have to be a true full on narrative, but it has to be the story of your solution. If you are focused on either a, just talking endlessly about your product or B getting straight to the cell, you're missing the opportunity to pique that interest, build that interest. And that's where the story comes in. So I say, you know, the first thing I I, I always tell people is explore what your brand's story is. 
come up with a few different ways to tell it and develop the voice of the brand. And it's going to cover all areas of your marketing strategy. The video is just one outlet of many opportunities to use that. And then before you put that into production and put that into the market, have your own test market. And it could be friends and, and family and maybe some loyal customers that you trust to give you honest and real feedback, um, you know, and, and ensure that they share the good, the bad, and the ugly with you, you know, whether or not that story is, is resonating. Do you find that the effectiveness of video marketing is easy or difficult to measure? I mean, I, I ask that because I've put some static versions of podcasts out on YouTube that get quite a number of hits. But honestly, I don't know who's watching them. Right. And certainly with audio podcasting, that's a challenge is, is really getting the demographics because you don't have cookies the same way you do when you get a website visitor. You don't know where they came from, for example. And maybe yeah. that's evolving. But talk about how you know when your video strategy is working and how to measure its success. Yeah, so it's actually... Pretty cool. A lot of these platforms, YouTube is first and foremost, the leader in um, video marketing right now, digital marketing, I would say in that space. And they've actually um, invested just heaps of money in their analytics platform. There's so much data available now to creators, but um, to your point, it is difficult to dissect and to understand. And that's where taking some courses. I know, you know, in the case of Google in particular, um, they have all kinds of partner courses where you can actually take, you know, classes like they have video training, they have text and everything where you go through and you learn how to understand your audience better. Ah. Um, there are also master classes in analytics that you can take. Uh, one of the, I guess, lower tier ones that, that I've um, explored a little bit and had, you know, hits and misses with is uh, Skillshare. Um, and a lot of the people on there, you know, it, it's kind of that first teaching experience for a lot of these creators. Uh, <laughs> Speaking so of video marketing, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a little bit of, uh, you know, it's, it's hit or miss with, with them. Uh, occasionally you get some nuggets, but, uh, and it's it, the reason I say this is also a very affordable way to explore some of those, um, training opportunities, but each and every platform. So let's say you do podcasting. So whatever distribution platform you're on, will also have some analytics. If you go straight to Spotify or straight posted straight through Apple, Apple, I think has one of the weaker analytics platforms. Yeah, uh, I would, that would dovetail with my experience as well, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, in the case of um, audio podcasts, I usually recommend people use a distribution platform. There are a lot of really good ones out there. I've used, um, I, I'm trying to think of the one that uh, Spotify purchased. That one's actually free right now, I think, um, free to, to host your podcast from Podbean, Podtrack, Blueberry. There are a bunch of different platforms out there. Blueberry, I think, is, is one of those ones that's it's one of the more affordable, but it's uh, um, but it does lack some of the analytical detail. And right. sadly, as a long-term Blueberry customer, I'm thinking about changing because the analytics are not good. I mean, they'll tell you how many listens you've had or how long they listened, but if you want any kind of demographic information, I've had potential sponsors ask me, "What age group are your listeners?" 
I have no idea other than through anecdotal evidence and engaging with them in other ways. Right. And, you know, and that's where I think, you know, going back to video in particular, um, YouTube has an excellent analytics platform. And, you know, you kind of look back at what, you know, drives that. Well, they're a data warehousing company. (laughs) Right. That's that's what they are. So they they know more about me than I know about me. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah, so so they understand who the audience is. So when when a video is posted, and there's some really great um, uh, tools. What is it, uh, uh, TubeBuddy or something? There are little plugins that you can pay for um, with oh. where you can um, get just extract more usable detail because all the analytics are there with YouTube. Right. It's just a matter of, again, may understanding not how to slice and dice so you can yeah. get something out of it. Yeah, yeah. So I really between the lines, I think what I hear you saying is that those of us who focus on audio and video can probably expect to see better and better analytics as these companies invest more in that. Absolutely. I go back to Google because of their background. They are the leader in data warehousing, you know, and, and, um, just profiling, right. (laughs) Um, privacy laws aside, they actually do a really great job for advertisers to get that analytical data. Yeah. Um, So, you know, what I, what I advise people is like, you know, if you want to know who your audience is, make, make YouTube your, your primary outlet because details there, they know, they know the, the age, you know, they can get the age, they can get the um, career, they can get their interests, they can get their, you know, economic um, data. I mean, you can get so much information out of the analytics that YouTube has just because it's a it's a Google company. Yeah, I, I've just been shocked, even with static video, you know, just a, a front cover and you can turn a podcast into an mp4 with a static image there are free services that'll convert those for you i have been absolutely gobsmacked with the number of downloads and visits on youtube i mean who knew people (laughs) listen to a podcast on youtube right well you know one thing i I do want to bring up if you'll allow it is uh, uh Part of my business is is doing SEO, right? Search engine optimization. So getting into that marketing aspect of video, where it's not just the creation aspect, but how do we get it out there and how do we leverage this right. as a marketing tool? So Google makes up somewhere around eighty-five to ninety percent of all search-based traffic uh, on the web. It is. It's yeah, insane how that's changed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And you know, you look at companies like like Yahoo's at like two and a half percent. So there's all this traffic happening and, and I'm sure you experienced this and if you, you may just kind of scroll right past at this point, but you'll notice that when you do perform um most of your searches, there's gonna be videos sitting at top, right? On yes. Yeah, YouTube videos. Yep. So that is just basically Google pushing their own platforms, right? They want to get, <laughs> you know, keep the traffic and, keep, you know, so they can keep tracking you, right? Absolutely. So do you see videos remaining important? Do you think it will grow? I mean, how do you see it evolving? It's going to continue to grow. Um, so there's some exciting new opportunities with video. So, um, you know, let me just wrap up real quick with that with that SEO piece is that you can use that video then to improve your rankings and improve traffic to your business, not just yeah. to your videos itself. Right? Yeah, great um, point. 
so just thinking like it's not just uh, marketing the video, but using the video for marketing, ensuring that that, that is occurring um, because most of my businesses, they aren't in the content creation business, right? Yeah. They are selling a product or service. And so we got to get traffic back to their site or the phone ring in like that's the end goal. It's funny you say that. I mean, I I always thought, wow, I'd rather have no video than bad video. But given what you said about SEO and search site rankings, I, I, I may be off base on that. You know, it's it's interesting. The, the only type of bad video that's out there really is a video that damages your reputation. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, if, if you do more damage, like confusing people about what you do or who you are, or if you have some flub in your language that yeah. uh, gets you canceled, right? So, yeah. so I think those are the biggest threats when it comes to uh, video. But even if the you know the lighting's not right, if it's shot on a you know shot in in heaven forbid 1080 instead of 4K, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it, it's funny seeing like uh, that, that Rick rolled Rick Astley video um, just every year. It just, it continues to cycle through, but that's 360 P like that is really low resolution. That's a really old video. Rick Astley yeah. is so much older at this point. Um, but you know, something like that where the video is, is dated or um, low resolution, that doesn't matter so much. It's what's the story with it? Is it is it supporting your brand? Is it supporting what you're after, what you're doing? And then is it optimized on the platform to ensure the growth of, of traffic, the growth of search keywords, all that stuff? So Yeah. One of my past guests was on the show talking about security and privacy protection for small businesses. And he has mm-hmm. a, a YouTube, regular YouTube episodes that he does he's got an enormous following and you know i looked at a few of them and i found them a little hard to watch i think probably because i'm a video snob or something i you know i just was like wow the lighting's really crappy and he says um and ah a lot and but the people who follow him know he knows his stuff and he talks about relevant issues and they have a community and I'm sure he attracted attention from a few of them and they brought along people from their communities and he's been very successful with that. You know, I had another guest talking about marketing and enhanced reality or um, augmented augmented reality. So uh, talk about what the future might hold there. Yeah. So right now the buzz is around Meta, uh, you know, Facebook, their parent company, um, the Quest 2, they have uh, the Metaverse, right? I'm sure you've heard that thrown around. Yeah. Metaverse. I'm not sure I know what it totally means, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I have small kids and they, uh, uh, they love this, you know, we have to limit them on this, uh, this platform called Roblox. It's basically, it's a little, you know, virtual thing where you're kind of running around and you're interacting with other people in a virtual world. So that's, that's basically what the metaverse is, is the more grown-up version of Roblox. Well, so um, wait, are these people running around that they're interacting with real people or they're invented people in a they program? They're real people. Uh, they're real people. So this yeah, is like Ready Player SimCity. One or something. Yeah, it's SimCity. So people wear, you know, like the the Meta Quest 2 goggles, right? And they, they have the goggles on their face and 
They are interacting with other people. They're visiting virtual businesses, um, you know, and there's there's commerce happening, um, you know, they'll go to a, a dance club or something like that. And they're interacting with people in that that metaverse now. And do they spend money to do stuff and buy stuff in that metaverse? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. But, but I truly believe that this is going, this is a fad. It may not die out entirely, but it's not going to be the next big thing. Um, The reason is, uh, is you are escaping from reality to go to another problematic reality, right? Um, So, so imagine this, you, you walk into a room and you have three or four people sitting on a couch, all wearing goggles and not interacting with one another in the same room, right? Um, or they're playing a game, playing tennis. So, you know, you see these commercials for the Quest 2 and people are are swinging their hands around and boxing and all these things. They spend a lot of money on these commercials, television commercials for the, the, the Quest 2, like the game system and all that. Um do you remember when the Nintendo Wii first came out? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how many TVs were smashed from flying remotes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably got a few. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. Quite a few. It was, it was a great year for TV sales. Um, so imagine having that TV pressed to your face and you're swinging your arms, and you don't happen to have that 600, 700 square foot room that they're showing in the commercial, and you have a china cabinet next to you, or oh, you geez. have a vase, or, you know. Or another person. Or another person, exactly. Or your dog or something. Yeah, yeah. Or mm. you're tripping over furniture, you know. Yeah. So, so I think there, there are certain areas that where it's neat, but I don't think it's necessarily something that is going to stick in that form now one thing you mentioned is augmented reality um, ar so uh, are you familiar with what that is or do you want me to explain for our listeners i think i i learned pretty well from the episode that we did with a uh, local startup company called reality blue based out of beloit wisconsin that's um, involved in a lot of uh, augmented reality for marketing. But explain for listeners who may not have listened to that episode. Yeah, sure. So augmented reality is basically a layer over the real world. So obviously to have that layer, you need something in front of you. So um, I think it was Yelp pioneered this with their mobile app uh, many years ago, um, 2013, I want to say 2014. Wow, that's a long time Um, ago. Yeah, and so it was basically used um, your phone's sensors, compass and and gyroscope and all this stuff to place like star ratings and information about businesses. When you held up your phone, you could see through the camera was on, so you could see on the other side, right? It was it was like you were looking through your phone, but it would layer over these different ratings for you know you're looking at restaurants or and so it would put that detail in 3D space through the screen. So Google came out several years ago with a thing called Google Glass. um, And it it's faced a lot of challenges. But it was one of those things where uh, just like Apple with the, um, I forget the name of their their tablet device before the iPhone that was a flop, before Palm. They predated Palm with that stylus thing. And, and the problem was the stylus is what Steve Jobs was famous for saying when the iPhone came out and was a success. So 
what Google did is they had these glasses that you would wear and it would have a little screen in front of your eye and it would have that augmented reality experience where you could put layer information over the world around you, but you're looking through the glass, right? You're Mm -hmm. not, you're not being impeded. You're not looking into a different world. And, right. and, so- and just just to interrupt you, I mean, um, any of you who have test driven a BMW lately, and I'm sure more and more cars are doing this, they mm-hmm. have this holographic display that goes out in front that shows maybe, you know, Google Maps where it's taking your, your direction and other things that you might look at and want to know about your surroundings and your direction and and traffic and everything but it's in right. a holographic display that's layered in front of but you but you can still see uh the road in front of you right right and that was pioneered back in uh what late 90s uh, Pontiac was doing that with uh, the Grand Prix um, I didn't know that the- very cool yeah, yeah, I had a friend. Here, that, here uh, I'm giving kudos to the Germans when, you know, it was, yeah. I should have been looking at Detroit. The, the, you know, the, the, the Germans just finished the tech. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so augmented reality is that way to enhance that, uh, enhance the existing, the physical environment that you're in. Um, so um, what's going to be really challenging and what what i what i'm excited for is more um, device adoption that enables it because um, the google glass like there were certain um privacy concerns because obviously it has to have some kind of sensor or camera or something like that Mm -hmm. um, to identify and to do things like facial recognition and you know really kind of that uh, minority report type experience yeah and so the concern was, what's to stop them, you know, people from walking into a public gym locker room and be recording, yeah. right? Right. So there, there were certainly valid privacy concerns with that. And so it's a matter of like, who's going to fine tune that tech, that piece of hardware that's going to enable an entire, an entire new method of marketing with augmented reality. Because right now, you know, there's some cool stuff with apps that's, you know, like I mentioned, I think it was Yelp many years ago that that did it. It was it was neat. It was a it was a great party trick. But we need to take to the next level to really make it a viable means where companies are going to invest money, even, you know, small to mid-sized companies throwing money into doing AR. Um, Well, and it it occurs to me one of the reasons you do video marketing is you're trying to control the narrative right? Mm-hmm. You're telling your story the way you want it to be told. And I I think, you know, as I'm listening to you talk about the, you know, the Sims interaction, I mean, great for gaming, I guess, a different kind of mm-hmm. fun, but, but difficult to control the narrative when you've got that kind of interaction going on. And yes. um, again, I see the same thing, even with, with augmented reality, yeah, there might be apps that can overlay, but how does the person who's telling the story control that overlay? Right. You know, and that's, that is going to be the trick. Now, have you uh, ever seen that bottle of, uh, was it, or the brand 19 Crimes wine? Have you ever no, seen No, no. I don't know if you're a wine drinker, but pick up a I bottle am. of one. Okay. So so um, I have to check it out, huh? Yeah, yeah. So they have all different, they have a you know whole line of wines. The, the number one, <laughs> the most popular is the Snoop Dogg bottle. 
um, look for 19 crimes is the is the label. Ah. Um, they have different, you know, it could be a um, could be a Merlot, it could be a red blend, it could be a, you know, what have you, like just, um, they have a variety of wines, but um, Snoop Dogg is, is the most popular one, but they also have these historical, like criminals, we're talking guys from the 20s, 30s, 40s. Oh, like right? Al Capone or something. Al Capone type, yeah. So yeah. you have all those, those, um, those mob guys, right? Um, but what that company's done, and you can find on the bottle, there's like a QR code you can scan, um, and get the app. It's a free app download. And then when you bring the camera over through their app over the, the label, the label comes alive and oh cool. It is amazing. You know, oh, just, I've got to check a, that out. It is so much fun. And you know, speaking of party tricks, that's like <laughs> we yeah, right. over for dinner several times and check this out yeah 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 but there's an they ended up creating the app so that they could continue to control that narrative exactly you know before i let you go i want to ask what businesses should look for when finding someone to help them with their video strategy or if they don't have money to have somebody help them at the moment some other good resources that they can look into because obviously not everyone can afford to hire Nathan Weens or even if they could, Nathan would be so busy. He wouldn't know <laughs> what day of the week it was. So give me your best thoughts and recommendations for folks about that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest concerns or the biggest concerns I've heard is, uh, from um, prospective clients and converted clients is the concern of cost and time, right? What does it cost to produce video? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the one of the points that you're you're making is like not everyone can it has the budget to support it. And then also time. And so the cool thing is uh, in the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, all of our cell phone companies have put fantastic tools in our pockets, in everyone's pocket. You have a camera that that um, is capable of producing um, publishable content, right? It's not as fancy as you know some of the cinema cameras and drones and stuff that we fly, um, but it is highly, highly effective for uh, recording a message. Basically, people, most everybody has tools that they can use right so what do they do with the tools so with the tools it's again i always go back to what's the story you need to write that story first you get the narrative right before you ever start recording because if you spend you're gonna you're gonna record over and over and over again um, because you're not happy with it if you don't have the story right to begin with something's gonna be always feel off but it, once you have that message written down, you have the vision, and I would recommend storyboarding, right? If you're doing it all yourself, try and create that story and keep it as simple as you can. You don't need to do a Hollywood big splash. You don't need explosions and you know, <laughs> twenty cars flipped right. over. And then I, I mentioned that you know we have access to great tools. One piece that is really overlooked quite often. And uh, you'd be surprised if I showed you five different videos and you pointed out one that you didn't like, chances are it's because the audio was bad. So ensuring that you have intelligible audio, the voices sound natural. If you have music bed and audio bed, which always, always, always 
get licensed audio. Don't ever rip off audio, <laughs> but ensure that the, the background music, that, that audio bed is low enough where people can clearly understand any dialogue um, or a monologue that's occurring over the top of that music. Interesting. Right? Um, yeah. So the audio is critical. Lighting is important, but audio first. Always audio first. Very interesting. A, a couple of resources. Follow bigger brands, whether or not they're in your industry. You know, maybe it's it's a passion of yours. So uh, if it's out, if it's sports, look at Reebok, look at Nike, look at the way they're story, storytelling. You don't have to go Hollywood. Just look for the story that they're telling. Watch commercials. Uh, you know, I spent my whole life fast forwarding through commercials. Right? <laughs> Stop yes. and watch them and yeah. see, you know, you know what show when they're airing. So, you know, you can identify what their target demographic is based on what show it is. And then watch what the commercial is. And, you know, there are some real stinkers out there, but a lot of times you're going to, you know, if you're spending yeah. money on a TV commercial, there's going to be some some good inspiration for you. And then the last piece I would say is listen to podcasts. If you want to learn about storytelling, it's the new era of radio shows. And obviously, like as someone yourself doing both, where it's a radio show that becomes a, you know, that is also distributed digitally, it is that progression. And so what is lacking on a lot of radio outside of NPR, we've gone away from that long form story. And that has actually migrated over to a lot of really excellent podcasts series. Interesting. Well, we are just about out of time. Nathan, before I let you go, I want to make sure you have a chance to share with people who might be interested in your services or chatting with you about video recording and marketing, how they can reach you if they're interested. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I can be contacted through either of my websites, nwc.media. So there's no.com, it's just nwc.media. And then the other website is uavchicago.com. Both of those, the, the submissions, um, they they do hit my desk. You know, I, I really take that personal contact uh, very personally. I want to make sure that whoever fills out the form, that that I'm the one that they encounter. And, and uh, then we move from there and Nathan, thanks so much for being with me this week. That's it was really uh, very interesting. I learned a lot. So thanks again for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Folks, my guest this week, Nathan Weens, the founder and president of NWC Media and UAV Chicago, talking about video marketing tips and tricks. Thanks to all my listeners. And uh, just letting you know, you can find more helpful information and resources both on my consulting site, globalocityservices.com, as well as my new radio show, uh, show website, the savvyentrepreneur.org. You'll find there lots of free blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources. I welcome comments, questions, suggestions. Email me anytime at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at the savvyentrepreneur.org. I promise you'll always get a response back from me. Be sure to join me again next week at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.